Money FM 89.3. Best of breakfast. Morning shot. A very good morning to you. Welcome to Morning Shot. I'm Lin Lee. Now, when it comes to the world of space, have you ever wondered where Singapore stands? Well, just recently, a team of Singapore University students brought home third place in an international rocket building competition. After a last-minute scrambling because key parts of their rocket got held up at the US Customs, the team put together a new rocket while enduring the harsh conditions in California's Mojave Desert. This is significant as the crew turns out to be just the second local civilian group to launch a rocket after a commercial rocket firm. Now, joining us to share how they're propelling Singapore into the forefront of space frontiers, we have one of the crew members, Tyron Hira, who is a year two NTU undergraduate from the School of Mechanical and Aerospace Engineering. Hi, Tyron. Yeah, hi. Thank you for having me. Also on the line with us is Simon Guvush, CEO of Rocket and Space Launch Company Equatorial Space, which helped with hardware selection and launch procedures. Good to have you with us, Simon. Hi, thanks for having me. Great to be here. Now, Tara, let's start off with you. Building a rocket is no mean feat in the first place, but your team actually rebuilt one after some key rocket parts got stuck at the customs. What happened there? Yeah, so at first we were really panicking. Uh, we tried to call every DHL number we could find, but it soon became clear to us that our package was uh, never going to arrive. So we had to sit down as a team and uh, make a decision. Uh, we could e- either give up there and count our losses, or we could try to work with what we had, you know, after traveling all the way there. So the competition organizers let us look around in their storeroom, and luckily we managed to find an old airframe with uh, some fins that was about the right size. However, we needed to make some uh, modifications in order to fit it to the rest of our rocket. Uh, thankfully, we had all the tools and machinery we needed at the site. And some, so some of us worked on uh, the other systems, while the rest of us started uh, you know, uh, sawing, drilling, sanding, uh, gluing what we had, uh, and borrowing bits and pieces from other teams who were nice enough to lend them to us. Uh, a few of us had to stay up overnight to just, mm. just to get everything working. And we had to sit in our cars for like two hours in the desert and then get out again to continue working. So once we assembled everything, I think we had a bit more time, so we, we experimented it, we made it look nice. And the whole rocket took us about uh, three to, two to three days to finish with like uh, barely five hours of sleep. And you were on the verge of pulling out at one point? Uh, yeah, because uh, in order to continue, we would, we would have to spend about a thousand US dollars just to purchase an extra part that we needed. And then we weren't even sure if it was going to work, so it was a bit of a financial risk. Well, it's really paid off. Yeah, I did. Simon, let's have you weigh in on this. What are the challenges, especially with getting approvals to bring such parts across borders? Yeah, so launching a rocket without having a domestic side is a little bit like playing the game on a hard mode. Mm -hmm. You know, it does come with extra complications. Lucky for us, the types of rockets that we develop uh, and, you know, the same type is used by SPEDs. Uh, do not contain explosives, which makes them vastly easier to uh, to actually transport. But still, especially past certain size, most countries regulate shipment of rockets because they could potentially be misused by rogue elements. Mm-hmm. So uh, they typically do require additional permits. And on top of this, any international shipment can always be delayed in the customs because of documentation issues. 
So uh, kudos to the team from SETS for uh, pulling through and not quitting at the last moment. Uh, it's been a major accomplishment for them. Tyron, your rocket named Project Miner soared close to a height of 3.2 kilometres, reaching the competition's desired altitude. Could you put that into context for us? How significant is that compared with perhaps actual commercial rockets? Well, I think it's the competition is actually at three categories, at uh, 5,000 feet, uh, 10,000 feet to 5,000 feet. So the competition is more about... Um, how close you can get to your desired altitude rather than how high you go. Because if you if you really wanted to, you could spend the money, you could spend thousands of dollars to launch a rocket much higher than that. But um, it's more about precision rather than uh, altitude. So mm-hmm. we just entered the 10,000 feet uh, or 3km category because we that's the height we predicted with all our simulations. But really, the, the biggest challenge isn't really uh, the launch, but is recovering the rocket, you know, making sure that all your parachutes deploy on time and your GPS is working so you can find your rocket after it travels like a few km away from you. It is definitely riskier to launch higher, which is why we decided to play on the safer side and go for the 3KM instead of the 7KM. Mm-hmm. I think uh, 3KM is still pretty impressive. And I mean, given the amount of time we had, and we weren't even sure if the rocket would even get off the ground or if it would just uh, disintegrate on the launch rail. After all, besides ESS, we're the only uh, Singaporean team to launch a rocket at this scale anyway, so I think it's still quite an accomplishment. Simon, we understand that the team had to test its motor at a propulsion lab in Malaysia because there wasn't one in Singapore. So what are the key considerations when finding a test launch site? Sure. So uh, firstly, I would like to point out that there, there's two kinds of tests involved in rocket testing. And one is ground testing in which the engine itself is attached to a, uh, an array of sensors and, and hot fired. And uh, then when qualified for flight, you will typically want to go for a test flight. So in both cases, the performance of the, of, the, of the propulsion system are a key determinant on what test site would be appropriate for it. In case of ground testing, thrust is a major consideration. Mm-hmm. Typically, the larger the rocket, the more noise it produces. And you definitely don't want to get uh, anyone angry and worked up over, over having you know, this level of noise near to residential areas. So uh, that's one of the reasons why, uh, why overseas testing is the predominant option for, uh, for Singaporean teams. Uh, in, in terms of, of test flights, it's largely determined by the peak altitude available from the site. Mm-hmm. And that is de- determined by the clearance around the launch site. You know, how far away are you from, again, any populated areas? If the rocket flies, of course, if something goes wrong, uh, how far do you have to be from the rest of the world mm-hmm. for it to be, to be safe? So uh, the Mojave Desert in California is actually very well suited for experimental rocket flights. It's got uh, several kilometers of clearance in each direction. Mm-hmm. I've had a chance to, vi- to visit it and uh, you know, we're looking forward to doing some test flights in there ourselves in the near future. So uh, apart from providing guidance in launch procedures, Equatorial Space also offered lab space, assistance with hardware selection. What brought about this collaboration with this team of students? The, the founders of the Singaporean chapters of SEDS, which were originally at NUS and NTU, actually happened to intern with us in the earlier days. And uh, we've been always very close with SEDS. We've been always very eager to uh, be of any assistance as required. And uh, let's face it, starting a new club, a new organization of any sort, and especially so, something which is so new, can come with its set of challenges. Mm-hmm. And uh, being able to give a student group of that sort some workspace and some guidance and some mentorship can make a sizable difference to, uh, to the trajectory, no pun intended, of, <laughs> of the team. What are some of the key challenges that new space innovators like Tyron face? Well, 
space tech is growing right now, and it's growing at a, at a staggering rate. But uh, one of the key questions that every investor and every potential client always has towards new unit solutions is how ready is it for to commercial deployment? And uh, what is the maturity level of any piece of technology or innovation? And uh, the most important part for any innovative team is to be able to demonstrate their innovations in flight conditions as soon as possible and uh, therefore drum drum up more support from the ecosystem. Okay, Tyron, we hear that your team is planning to build a more advanced rocket for the 2024 Spaceport America Cup. Can you let us in on the progress of that? What are you aiming to build this time round? So some of our rocket parts are still back in the U.S. So once we receive those, uh, we're going to take some time to analyze everything about the launch and our equipment, uh, see what needs to be improved. Because uh, Space of America is a much larger competition than the one we participated in. Uh, but we're much wiser now after having uh, actually successfully launched a rocket for the first mm-hmm. time. However, our biggest issue isn't really the equipment or our expertise, it's the funding. So last time we managed to raise over like 30000 to cover most of our expenses, but we're definitely going to need more if we want to make significant upgrades. If you want to travel all the way to America again. Uh, we also don't even have our own lab space yet. You know, we're still working out of ESS. And mm. yeah, if we could have our own lab space, especially if we, had, if we want to add more members. Yeah, so yeah, we have big dreams. But we're going to need to work on securing funding, lab space, and recruiting members before we think of anything else. Can't wait to see what you come up with. Now, Simon, taking a more macro look, how long do you think it will take before Singapore becomes a more significant player in the global space industry? Well, you know, there's been a lot going on in the background in the last few years. And where Singapore is right now is very different from five years ago, let alone 10 years ago. I think the foundational blocks have already been laid. Uh, We have a very good mix of global experts and homegrown talents. And I believe that the next two to three years will be extremely exciting. And uh, we will have a very good shot at becoming a major player, not just a participant in the booming space economy. Thank you, Simon, for your insights. Thank you so much for having us. And also a big thank you to Tyron for coming on this morning. Thank you. And that was Tyron Hira, year two NTU undergraduate from the School of Mechanical and Aerospace Engineering, and Simon Guvosh, CEO of Rocket and Space Launch Company, Equatorial Space. To listen to more great interviews, download our podcasts at moneyfm893.sg or download the SPH Radio app available on Google Play or the App Store.